Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. You ever get an epiphany and the awesomeness from the epiphany makes you want to run a tri-marathon? No, just me? I nearly stuck my pinky toe trying to run to this phone to call you because I'm talking about the level of excitement from what I just heard. I'm like, mm. first of all, shouts out to my reproductive system because <laughs> this particular excitement stemmed from my son. Yes, come through prenatal receptor. You understand? Okay, so... My son and I uh, follow each other, or I have a little bit of a glimpse of what he's doing on social media, particularly IG. And from time to time, he'll send me something, you know, we share the same kind of humor. So he'll share something and I'll comment on it or what have you. And he shared this particular nugget. And I'm talking about, bruh, A, super duper proud, like the duper, okay? Um, B... You came from me? Like, real talk, like, I produced that brain and put it all together, and while I gave it a birth certificate, cool. And see, oh, my goodness, for him to even be able to to digest that, have even a palate for this type of information makes me want to give a shout-out and a hand clap of praise um, for my parenting. Can we? Real quick. I mean, just real talk, can we just... I mean, let the let the crowd go wild <laughs> because I'm raising some of the premium upper crust, if you will, uh, when it comes to an African-American male. OK, uh, just want to go ahead and get that out because I have a humble assessment of self, but I'm a little bit braggish when it comes to, you know, I don't even got to finish it. You feel me? OK, great. So what he sent me in this inbox was so potent i said you know usually i try to go ahead and give you a little bit of a synopsis like oh this is around about what he said or what i saw but this time i was like no you have to hear it directly from the horse's mouth so he went on someone's page named trey four is t-r-a-y-f-o-u-r and it looks like they reposted something i just want to make sure that i'm quoting the source because you know this is not something i just came across and I discovered um, I'm not Christopher Columbus no shade but shade so let me just go ahead and play it and then well you know I'm, I'm gonna take a step back and then I'm gonna come forward and we're gonna play this game again listen to what he's saying real quick so just if I could give you a snapshot real quick a little backdrop he was talking about the fact that his father was pretty much he could not please him it was if he did his best his father was like yo you can do better and his he has no memories of his father playing with him uh and it just was that stereotypical father that was there per, you know in the physical but wasn't there because he didn't meet any other emotional or um, mental needs, what have you. He came to his games, but he dropped them off and sat in the car. I mean, real like, oh, okay, steel mill heart kind of guy, right? So this is where the part that I'm about to let you hear, and it's going to be like a minute or two because it's just, you got to get the nectar. Like the juice is not enough. I need you to get the nectar. And this is the part where he's pretty much saying what happened to him on, I'm not even going to just, he came into real estate and then boom, let him go ahead and pick up. Please help. I thought, what am I gonna do now? And some little bird mentioned real estate, so I thought I'd get into real estate. I got into real estate and that's when I met my first mentor that transformed my life. I was in my office one night really late and I was having a conversation with my mentor 
and he walks in and he leans against the door and he goes, you're still here? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you really have a great work ethic. And I went, you talking to me? He goes, yeah, I'm talking to you. He goes, you're awesome. I'm like, are you still talking to me? He's like, I never had anybody tell me that they believed in me. My father certainly was always, you could do better, you could do better, you could do better. Yeah, it drove me, but it didn't make me feel confident. And I doubted it at first. And we started to talk. And he goes, oh, so you've labeled yourself stupid as a loser and a skinny little kid. He goes, how do you feel about that? And I said, I still feel that way. He says, you're 30 years old. I go, yeah, I know. But I still felt that way inside. He says, okay, we're going to change that. Who's an idol that you have? And I said, well, one of my favorite is, is you know, like Clint Eastwood. He's like rugged. I'm kind of rugged. I feel rugged. He goes, perfect. How does that feel when you say that? He said, that feels pretty good. He goes, that's it. I want you to say that a thousand times. A thousand times every day or more if you want. Loser out, ruggedly handsome in. So now what we're going to do is we're going to reprogram your brain. Your brain is like software. We're just going to reprogram it. I said, how did I do that? He goes, just every time you have a chance, say, I'm ruggedly handsome. I'm ruggedly handsome. He said, the words that follow I am follow you. You just didn't know it. You had programming. But now we're going to change that and change that forever. And I remember driving home, I was so excited. I was, I was so excited because I could change my program. I didn't know it. I thought I was stuck that way my whole life. And all I had to do was have the energy to put it into changing the way I see myself. And it was, I just said it over and I remember screaming in the car, ruggedly handsome, ruggedly handsome, ruggedly handsome. I'd get up in the morning, I'd say it over and over and over again. I'd say it as much as I possibly could. And then spontaneously one morning, I was in the shower and I said, I'm the greatest real estate agent in my area. I'm the greatest real estate agent in my area. And I went from one sale in my first year to in a few years, a hundred sales. I broke every record there was. And then I bought the freaking company. Went from, from farm boy to financially free. I became resourceful. I became capable of doing things I didn't know I was gonna do. The most powerful force in the human psyche is how we describe ourselves to ourselves. Who's giving you labels? You're too short, you're too tall, you're quiet, you're introverted. And you take on those labels and you wear them like they're your persona. And then you live into them, like a role that you were given in life. You can rewrite that. You can make it whatever you want. Insert it and then program it. I am. I am. You are what? Gifted, guided, grateful, powerful, passionate, playful. Sexy, sensual, sensitive, and blessed. What are you? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And you get to redefine yourself. So who are you? And who do you want to be? The words that follow I am follow you. Okay, first off, don't you just realize hearing that makes you want to just pick up any pair of sneakers, even if they're not your size, and start running? Like the motivation, the fire underneath. You like, yo, I don't know. I don't I don't like real estate, but for some reason, because you made it seem so appealing, now I want to run and do real estate. Like, it's just some people have that power that when they talk and when they speak and you can feel the authenticity in the voice and in the, in the projection of it, you're like, ooh, I just want to... I don't know, start running, and if people start running with me, they just, I don't know, Whew. okay, let me tell you something, when my son sent me that, I said, wow, that is super powerful, but I could not deny the fact that there is a spiritual application to that, yes, it's a psychological one, you, like I spoke to you before, and all my social work, and psychology, and all the studies that I've done, like the one thing that continues to just wow me is the fact that our brains come as just this one big, if you can actually 
visualize. I want you to visualize a big sponge of tofu. That's exactly how our brains are at the moment of birth. Our brains start to get what we see, you know, the lines and the crevices and all that and the deeps and the slopes and all that in the in the cranium and all that. Uh, it starts to get that once we get into our environments. And then our environments say, oh, okay, so whatever is needed to protect you in this environment or help you to thrive, the brain will start to contort that. That's why you can take a baby that's this, shh, don't, don't make too much noise. And you put a, a different baby in another house and it's like they sleeping through rock concerts. You're like, how is that possible? Because the rock concert baby's brain said, oh, in order to thrive here, we have to get acclimated to loud noises, um, bings and dings at all points. The baby that's just hush little, baby don't say a word and you walking around on the tip of your tippy toes that baby's brain said oh in order for me to sleep peaceful it has to be absolute silence I need you to hold your breath parents okay that's how that's going to work but there is a psychological connection there in that he's absolutely right we can reprogram our brains especially when the brain gets trauma and there's certain things that happen and we get that stain that I like to call it on our souls or in our minds that it's like oh you got bit by a dog when you were two you could be 50 to and you're still like ah, I don't mess with dogs <laughs> because your brain made that stain stamp that was like never again especially with that breed and then now for the whole entire species have a nice day but if you were to get some type of help or someone was trying to get you out of that trauma what they will essentially be doing is assisting you in reprogramming your brain reprogramming how you think and how you see a thing so he's absolutely right the speaking something into you know until you actually feel it the he had to say he was ruggedly handsome because he felt some kind of it sparked joy whenever he was thinking about clint um what is it eastwood yeah clint eastwood he thought that he was rugged and handsome and he was like that word rugged makes me kind of feel and so the guy was like okay I need you to go ahead and hone in dive in and I keep repeating that but I could not could not bypass the fact that there is a spiritual application that is there and so I went immediately to Exodus 3 and I was like oh my goodness we can reprogram our minds but I feel like we definitely need to reprogram our I am's and so when I go into Exodus 3 and I give you this breakdown, you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. And you're going to be like, okay, so where's the marathon? Because I'm running with you. And I'll be like, let up. Make sure you wear socks because sweaty sneakers and feet. But that's cool. So Exodus 3. <laughs> She's so excited. So pretty much this is the burning bush situation. When Moses was on the side of the mountain and God was like, hey, need to holler at you real quick. I'm going to kind of pick up on verse, let's just say verse 2. So there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a burning and a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Six, I'm the Lord, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
7. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land with the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezerites, the Hivites, and the Jesusites. Now live. 9. Look. The cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. 10. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. 11. But Moses protests to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? 13. God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out from Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. 13. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? 14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There is something so powerful for knowing that there is power in something that you speak. So now that you can put some power in your arsenal and you'll know how to fight the things that really need to be fought and how to pray on the things that need to be prayed for. The I am part, we don't even realize that when we are describing ourselves, when we are saying I am blank, I am negative. I am, I am, I'm scared. I'm not confident. I'm not there. What you are actually dragging into your senses is you are dragging God. In reading this particular verse in this chapter, Exodus 3, I have equated I am and translated I am to God is. So let's go back to verse 14. Again, Exodus 3, 14, and read that with the new updated of what I like to look at I am as God is because God literally said I am who I am so I look at I am as God is let's read that and translate that and kind of flip that over to see how that sounds the new updated way if I were to read verse 14 again so God replied to Moses God is who God is Remember, originally it says God replied to Moses, I am who I am. So now I'm going to read it again with the God is. God replied to Moses, God is who God is. Say this to the people of Israel, God is has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of, of Israel. And then he goes ahead and says he's Yahweh and all of that. So let's Go ahead and reprogram your I am. So when you're talking negatively about yourself and you're like, I, I'm, I'm bad with money. I don't do, I, you know, I just don't do well around certain people. I'm negative. I got an attitude. I am, I am. And you're saying all these things. What you actually are saying is 
God is whatever you just said. God is bad with money. God has an attitude problem. God is not good around people. God is. You know, I'm not good with money. God's not good with money. Remember, swapping the I am for God is. You know, I'm just a person who doesn't, I don't have patience. So you are literally dragging and describing God as that. So if I were to force you to change your I am, I'm just so sick and tired of this. God is sick and tired of that. You see what I'm saying? I want this conversation to be the conversation that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that before I can describe myself, I have to start off a sentence with God is. You think you're describing you. I am over this job. I am over this relationship. I am over, you know what? I just don't rock with people. I And you're descri- describing what you thought was you, but what you don't know is that you dragged a new description to God. God is not good at that job. God is not confident. God is not, God is not. And just to take it a little bit deeper, didn't the Bible say in Genesis that God said he was going to make man in the image of himself? Didn't he say that? Didn't God go ahead and say, you literally are me. I made you in my likeness. So there's almost technically, if you really want to go ahead and specify, I don't think there's a way to describe yourself when you're not, if without describing God. How you speak about yourself is how you speak about God. And I know you like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't, real talk when I was like, you know, I'm not good with money or I'm not good in relationships or I'm not the person to whatever. I'm not the one to mess with or however you would describe me. Listen, I was describing, in my heart, I was describing me. I had no idea. And it's cool because you, you never are held responsible for something that you weren't aware of. But now that you're aware, you have to change the way you speak about God. When I used to counsel people, give advice, what have you, and particularly to women, it always seems like I was not able to get through to women on how to treat themselves or the treatment they were willing to accept from their partners. It was like, yeah, you know, uh, they will... They were very clear that the relationship was negative, that the experience they were having was just terrible. And I can never, ever, ever get the women to identify the fact that you know that you deserve better, right? You know that you can, and they would yes me to all the way to home until it was time to put some action forth. And the only way I've seen to be able to get to, through a woman is to actually connect to either her physical child or her future children. And I would say, let me ask you this. If your daughter brought home this particular dude that you are with, with the same exact issues, with the same exact situation that you are currently in, would you tell her to stay? And almost a thousand times out of 10, I would get the response of, oh, no, she would have to leave him. She would have to go. She would have to. Because I think that there is a greater responsibility for protection and to love something when you are not talking about yourself. As much as we like to go ahead and say, you know, you got to love yourself before you love anyone else. You know, this, that, that, that. because that is not a, a taught behavior. Um. And it's not something that we, something that we learn along the way. We actually have more experience in loving someone else. 
loving your your parents or your guardians, whomever raised you, loving your family members, loving your children, loving in intimate relationships, loving the pet species of your choice, cat, lizard, iguana, whatever dog. And you it's always taught in an external, I'm loving outwardly. But then when it gets time and you're 96 years old and you realize, oh, I've been loving everybody else. I don't even really know myself, <laughs> you know, then you start learning, oh, I need to love myself. But I think that that's it's a slower knee jerk reaction to when you are loving yourself or describing yourself. You're a little bit more tolerant to things than you really should if it was your daughter, if it was your sister, if it was you see where I'm going with that. And so the I am needs to change because you can say all day long. You know, I'm sick and tired of something. I'm bad with money. I'm not good with relationships. I'm not good at this job. I am not confident. I don't like my body weight. I am and I am. And you could be a little bit more tolerant to the way that you speak to yourself. But if I flip that and the, the external, where are you confident speaking about God that way? Are you confident with knowing that when you speak, I am? Or the contradiction part, the I'm, when you speak that, you should feel something in your inner parts go, I can't talk about God that way. The same way with those examples were with those women. You're a little bit more tolerant on how dude treats you. You're a little bit confident, buddy, with the way, a little bit more, not even confident, but a little bit more tolerant on how old girl treats you. You know, she... Yeah, and you're a little bit more tolerant on how they treated you at the restaurant or a little bit more tolerant when it's you. But if it were your kid or if it was your sister or if it was said family member or said person that you respect or you seem none or you're going to honor this person because that then the tolerance goes down to zero. So this conversation was rooted in the fact that I want you to change your I am. We should already know that our tongue and out of our mouths is life or death. So we should already know, listen, there's certain things I'm just not going to speak anymore. Yeah, I don't want to speak negativity into my my sky of life anymore. I want to create something, a canvas that's more brighter, that's a little bit more brighter, a little bit more vibrant. And so with that, if you can't, if you don't have the automatic Ooh, you know, like, I feel like you remember the game operation when we were younger and you had to go ahead and take that little tweezer like thing. And every time you got too close to the metal part, it would go bang. And you're like, oh, can't even get this freaking wishbone out <laughs> without this thing. Bang. I, that's something that I developed that eh, that sound inside. I feel that inside when I start to speak negative. I made a inner vow to myself some time ago that Whenever I spoke, I was going to be very mindful of what comes out of my mouth, almost like I can see it with a subtitle. If it was about to be negative, I can think it, which I'm working on the thinking realm, but I dare not speak it. But if you don't have that operation game show sound inside of you, then at least there should be a boundary that I will not speak I am and not think about God. Whenever I'm describing me, I have to go outside of me and realize externally I am speaking about God. I am made in his likeness. I will not describe myself. So when you flip it and start thinking more positively, I am confident. I am reliable. 
I am responsible. What you're really saying is God is confident. God is, God is, God is. When you say I am, you are saying God is. I need that to get into your soul, get to the bottom of whatever it is that's negative and get to the root of that. Pull that out and change that I am what God is. And I want you to see a life that's just like I reprogrammed me because I reprogrammed the way that I see myself and I can't see myself without God and I can't see myself outside of God. So when I speak, I'm speaking a spiritual sentence. I'm speaking a godly thing because I'm describing God. Do you get that? Oh, I wanted to just shake my son when he sent me this clip. I was like, the spiritual application there is tremendous. It is gold, sir. It is oil. It is rich. And if we can just really just settle into that, it's bigger than I am. It's God is. That's why God was so gangster enough to say, tell them, tell them I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. Because I am is huger than what we just see. We just see three letters. But it's so, it's so much more than that. Want you to reprogram your I am. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's almost the equivalent to literally like I and I said it in passing real quick but I want to slow that down when you speak I want you to see subtitles when you talk you know my husband and I've been watching tv shows and sometimes we'll go into some shows that it's like oh you know how to do the voice over but the voice is not actually in sync with the lips because it's in another language so we put subtitles on at some point but then when we watch American shows that speak English we still have the subtitles and I find myself that from time to time I have been reprogrammed where I'm not even looking at the mouth of the person talking sometimes I'm looking at the words and I'm reading the screen I understand the language I hear it but I am digesting it better because I can read it and so I wanted that when when you speak that you hear yourself in your mind, like you know what you're about to say, or you should at least be at the point that you're strategic and selective of what you speak. But I, as you're talking, I want you to see subtitles. And so when you are getting ready to say anything, what well, I am, I want you to, in the spiritual realm, read in subtitles, God is, and you feeling whatever you're about to say. And if that sentence doesn't look like it's speaking life, if that sentence doesn't look like it's describing God in the epitome of all things that you can possibly try to describe God in, then I need you to redo that sentence because it is not something you need to be speaking. You are not talking about you. You are talking about the creator who made you. And if we really were to master that, I mean, really take that thing by the neck and say, no more will I describe myself like that. But also, I'm not going to drag God into that. And also, I'm not going to describe the God who made me like that. And also, no, I didn't realize this was a godly sentence. I didn't realize that those three letters, I am, is actually starting off my sentence in a spiritual capacity. Do you see what I'm saying? Doesn't that just take off the blinders and the curtains of your eyes and how you were speaking? And you're like, oh, my goodness I didn't realize oh my god and you heard the old people I sometimes say you know oh you know my back is killing me my this that and the third I lo- I learned at a very young age um I used to have my grandma say speak life you know don't 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 say that speak life and I didn't know what 
I couldn't really digest what that meant. It was like, okay, speak life. What do you want? You want me to say life? Like, what does that mean? And I didn't realize what she was trying to teach me is what you speak is what you will experience. And if you don't want to experience it, then don't say it. So I started to look at myself like a seed planter. I didn't speak anything I didn't want to see. I told my son the other day, he said, um, he's just been on the road. God bless him. That's one of my, some of my best work. I ain't going to hold you. Um, he said to me, he showed me this meme that said it showed savings and then checking. And then it said savings account had like 9000 some odd dollars, whatever. And then the checking account had 100 And it said in the meme, um, and I still say that I'm broke. And it was supposed to elude to the fact that, you know, you're supposed to be living in such a savings and, and saving in such a way that you don't see it as, oh, you know, I have money in the savings. You shouldn't be factoring that in. You should be looking at, hmm, my checking. But I flipped it a little bit deeper. And I told my son, I said, you know, I never spoke the word broke to you ever because I heard my mother say it so often in her life. I don't have it. I don't have it. I'm broken. Rebuke in the name of Jesus. I don't have it. And so when I heard those two things, it was like, she's, is she continuously saying this just because she doesn't want me to get something or this is really how we're living? And on her deathbed, I was able to realize, oh, she don't have it for real. And so something sparked in me where I said, you know what? In my household, I will never speak the words, I'm broke, and I will never speak the words, I don't have it rebuke it in the name of Jesus it will never be spoken out of my mouth and so what I flipped it as is I'll budget for that later so if my son ever came to me and said hey I want this that a third as a matter of fact actually today real talk my daughter came to me and she's like um I need a couple more dollars to put on my robux this game whatever that she plays it's almost like sims but it's something for her age level and that's fine so she was like uh can I get more money to add to my robux account and i said oh we'll budget for that on the 15th my children in my adult household even prior to my i have never spoke b-r-o-k-e because that is not the life that i want to see that is not the plant that i want the seed that i want to plant and that's not the tree that i want to see growing in my life i don't want to see it because I understand the spiritual, the spiritual applications to what you speak. What you speak is what you see. And I don't know why that doesn't reign true to people. God created almost everything that we see in the natural realm by just speaking it. So I don't know what part we don't understand that that goes a little bit deeper than what we can actually like really just translate. It's literally what you speak into your life, how you describe your work, like your words, your greatest tool, your most dangerous and yet beneficial organ is your mouth. What you speak has the power to break you down or build you up, to make you see less or make you see the silver lining and see more, to make you see greatness or make you see a giant. Do you see Goliath the way that David sees it? Or do you see Goliath the way the Israelite army sees it? And we just finished talking about Goliath. The fact that he was able to, for 40 days, 
morning and night come out and taunt the Israelite army and the fact that David was able to go and be like uh-uh on the on the on the first day off the one is it because he spoke differently on how he seen the thing literally if you were to go back and read first Samuel and see that whole transaction they were looking at David like remember we talked about Saul and what he said to David and he was like you know like yeah, but you, you, you're you just a young boy. And Goliath has been in, you know, he's been in the army since a youth. Okay, Saul, that's how you see me and Goliath. But David had to buck himself up. Like, no, 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 I'm a shepherd. You know how many times I had to save my sheep from lions and pry open the mouths of bears? And he had to go ahead and buck himself up because... If you go ahead and live life the way that somebody else sees you, if you go ahead and start subscribing to other people's words, you will start to eat from the fruit of how they plant. And if it's not palatable to where God is taking you, then you need to go ahead and look at that fruit like I'm allergic to that. That does not benefit anything that I'm doing or any place that God wants to take me. So I don't even want you to be just selective on how you speak. I want you to be more selective on how people speak around you and to you. And you may be even, you know, mature enough to help people on how they speak to themselves about themselves. You hear somebody like, oh, I'm just I'm so fat. Don't say that. Don't speak that about yourself until you get to your targeted weight goal. Maybe you should see it as, you know what, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm, I'm on my way. And I love who I am now, and I'm going to love who I am later. But along the process, I don't get to pick and choose when or how I love myself. You see what I'm saying? No, you're not broke. Rebuke in the name of Jesus because I don't speak that word. You have to be a little bit more wiser and financially sound and wise to budget the amount that you have now because that amount will change later. You see how you can change that? You ever saw somebody's resume and you like, you made this sound amazing and what it really was just saying is, bro, I'm a janitor. <laughs> but if you go ahead and word that thing and beef that thing up right, it's not that you're telling a story, it's that you are feeding it through a different lens than how the average person sees it. You can make cashier look like, oh my, such an asset that it's like, why did you quit the job? Because I really didn't want to work at Burger King anymore, and that's fine. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We can reprogram our minds. We can reprogram the way that we speak. But most importantly, I want you to reprogram your I am. Change your I am and I promise you from this day forward, you will never see life or yourself through the same lens ever again. I feel like you got what you needed. Listen, this was an amazing, amazing talk. I'm going to give my son the hand clap of praise when, when we get off the phone because, listen, he initiated some greatness and I do appreciate. You understand? I am. God is. You know what these conversations are. They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that when you really think about it, nobody else is really having these days because everybody is just fluff and all things filter. But we're going to change ourselves in the world one thought process at a time. Mm, this was amazing. But go ahead. I'm not going to not gonna hold you longer than I want to. But I do want to speak to you about something else. So, have your phone nearby but not too far because sometimes I have to text you like can you pick up and then it's a lot okay but all right I'll talk to you later
Later.